Welcome to Truth Triumphant Radio. I'm your host, Cody Mori, and today I want to talk about a biblical issue actually dating back to really my basic understanding. It's one of those it's one of those stories in the Bible that even people who aren't necessarily Christians or Bible believing Christians that they, they're familiar with this story, and that is the story of Bathsheba, Uriah the Hittite and the adultery that was committed by David. And again, dating back to basically my first understandings of this story, most people believe that, and I used to also, that Bathsheba was equally at fault as David. You know, many people ask, well, you know, why didn't she tell him no? And why didn't she tell Uriah what had happened? Or, or what? So actually, I, I just wanted to kind of go over this story so that we could sort of clear the air on this issue. And first, I, I'm going to take a, a very different approach to this issue and this story that maybe most of you aren't familiar with. So I, I just want to start off by mentioning who Uriah the Hittite is. All right, Uriah the Hittite, he was... <clears throat> Uriah the Hittite, he was one of King David's mighty men. Actually, he was one of the 30 mighty men. In fact, when Saul was, that's King Saul, when Saul was seeking to kill David, this is one of the individuals that took David's side, that was right by his side, that essentially... Uh, risked his entire life, his 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 family, his wife's life, who was Bathsheba, presumably at that time, if not soon to be wife of of Uriah, and you know, going against Saul, that was going against the the established monarchy at the time. So Uriah the Hittite was one of those individuals. Really, you could say. If they weren't close best friends, he was one of the the great allies of King David, one of the great supporters of him, and one of the individuals that really made it possible for his establishment as king. So Uriah the Hittite, he was he he was somebody who we would consider an indispensable person you know he he's one of the if we were to look at it in terms of you know the united states or something he would be like founding father or something like that so let's take a look at uh first chronicles chapter 11 and verse 10 through 11 and then um, and then verse 41 it says these also are the chief of the mighty men whom David had, who strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom and with all Israel to make him king. 
according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. And this is the number of the mighty men whom David had. And then after that, it starts listing them off. If you jump down to verse 41, it says, Uriah the Hittite, Zabad the son of Ali. So Uriah the Hittite, he's down there. He's part of the 30 men that are mighty men that are mentioned. It says, who strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom and with all Israel to make him king. So he's one of the reasons David became king to begin with. All right. So now let's jump forward. Let's jump forward to the part that most people are familiar with. <clears throat> and the question, the question we want to answer today is, was there wrongdoing on Bathsheba's part? Was there wrongdoing on Bathsheba's part? So, Second Samuel chapter eleven, verse one through five. It says, and it came to pass. After the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon, and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. So right there in that first verse, we see a problem. It says, it was at the time when kings go forth to battle. But that verse ends by saying, but David still tarried at Jerusalem. So David was supposed to be leading the armies into battle something he was well known for i mean he was israel's sweetheart you know if, if if there was a he was a superstar in in israel even during the days of saul and he was a, he was an amazing general and you know he trusted the lord that's where his strength came from but it says that he was basically he was supposed to be out in battle but instead he sent joab his general and he stayed at Jerusalem. So he really, starting off, he's not supposed to be at Jerusalem, but he is. Okay? It says, And it came to pass in an evening in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So it's it's asked there as a question. And the implication that you get there when you read this is David sees this beautiful woman. You know, he already has multiple wives at this point, by the way. This, this is really what is the issue with this sexual sin especially the sexual sin in our in our day today um and look where it leads it says he already had multiple wives you know if he if he was feeling uh you know burning with passion as as the bible says he could have he could have gone to any one of his wives and hopefully have had a a son or daughter or something but instead he sees this woman essentially minding her own business, washing herself, okay? He's basically being a peeping Tom here. This is a sick side of David that not all of us want to, you know, really look at. But this, this, this shows you that each and every one of us is susceptible to sin. David was feeling good. He had, if you read the chapters before this point... He's won battle after battle. 
he's increased in wealth he's uh, given much to the the preparation for building the temple and he's feeling at ease and that's when the tempter came in satan and and caught him off guard his guard was down and here he is he sees this woman and the implication is that one of his servants uh, apparently here says um isn't this bathsheba the the wife of uriah the hittite as in you've met this person before of course it, it's it's uriah's wife how do you not know that that's that seems to be the implication there it says and one said is not this bathsheba the daughter of eliam the wife of uriah the hittite as in he should know this now whether whether um she was too far away for him to know who she was at the time or whether he was just playing dumb it doesn't really say there but either way the implication seems to be is that he should know who this person is undoubtedly one of the 30 mighty men has introduced his fiance or wife to be um Bathsheba so when Uriah Uriah and the other mighty men when they were together they undoubtedly had you know times where they broke bread obviously broke bread together and his wife was was likely there many times so it wouldn't have been out of the question to to think that David probably met her before face to face it says in verse 4 it says, and David sent messengers and took her. Okay. And she came in unto him and he lay with her for she was purified for her, from her uncleanness. And she returned unto her house. So after one of his servants basically says that you, you should know who this person is. He still sends messengers and has her come to him. It says, and then he lays with her, uh, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her home. So probably her, her time of the month had finished up. That's why she was purifying herself uh, up on the roof. And he came, took her, and while her husband, Uriah, is out with Joab fighting for the country, She's being preyed upon by the king with whom her husband uh, is fighting for at that very moment. Now, the question comes up, why didn't, why didn't Bathsheba stop him? Well, you got to understand, as I said before, David is, he is Israel's sweetheart. He can do no wrong. He's... He's the conquering king. It's just victory after victory. The Lord is clearly with him. The people love him. The people trust him. And when she when she gets called to, to come over to him, she's probably thinking in her head, uh, she's probably fearful thinking, you know, maybe something happened to Uriah and she, he wants to tell her face to face um, or something wrong. And it says, so she came unto him, and then he lays with her. So he basically puts her into a position 
where what is she going to do? Is she going to tell him no and then get maybe get her husband killed? Is she going to tell him no, maybe get herself killed? Or be scorned by the people or be be thrown out? She was in a, she was in one of these positions that many women find themselves where they're not raped in the traditional sense where they're screaming and saying no and punching and doing all these things, but they're in a position where if they tried to do something like that, it, it would make no difference. And they are, it, it reminds me of the kind of the stuff that's going on with, with, uh, Epstein and, uh, Miss Maxwell there, who's also been brought in on charges with Epstein with these, you know, 16, 17, sometimes even younger girls. And many of the stories, if you listen to the stories of the survivors, they'll tell you that, you know, basically he he raped them. But it's not like he, you know, he choke slammed them and then started doing his thing. It's not really how it happened at all. In fact, there's a few of the survivors who they they basically ran away and he didn't really pursue after them. I would imagine that this was a similar situation where he's being very forward and she simply simply is is very frightened and very scared doesn't know what to do. Um she's in shock and basically allows it to happen doesn't change that it's a rape. Doesn't change that it's a rape at all. Uh and then it goes on to verse 5 here it says and the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. Now, why did she do that? Well, because at some point, her husband, Uriah, is going to come home. And when Uriah sees that she's pregnant and that he's been gone, he's automatically going to assume that she cheated on him. Now, if she tells him, if she tells him, you know, David raped me. Uriah might do something crazy. He might kill her. He might kill David. Overthrow the kingdom. There's a lot of things that are at stake here. It seems that Bathsheba gives David the benefit. Basically, it seems like she's, she's sort of asking David, like, you know, you did this to me. Now, what are we going to do? What are we going to do about this? Now, I'm, I have a kid now. So it says, and the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. And from there, the story goes, we're not going to go into that part of it. But the story goes, you know, David calls Uriah back from the, the, the campaign. Basically, tries to get him drunk and have him go sleep with his wife. And Uriah refuses to do that because Uriah has honor. It really goes to show you the difference between David and Uriah, at least in this, this particular instance. You know, Uriah refuses. He says, go, go to your wife. And he says, no, I'm not going to do that. If, if all the men that I'm with can't do that, I'm not going to do that. So, since he refused to do it, David, unwilling to, to be repentant, to tell him the truth, to apologize, to, you know, repent to God and, and humble himself before God. He decides to kill 
one of his best friends, one of the 30 mighty men, one of the men who made sure that his kingdom would be established. So he gives him a letter, and you can read all of this in 2 Samuel. He gives him a letter, and in the letter it basically, it, it tells, it tells, he says it's for Joab, so he doesn't open it. You know, it, it, he, he basically gives him his own death warrant and has him deliver his own death warrant. And he tells him, he tells him to give it to Joab, and Joab, Joab receives it. And it says that, you know, when the fighting is, is in the, the harshest time, to simply back away and allow Uriah to get killed. Now, if you, if you think about the fighting structure back then in those days... They were, many times it was like wave after wave, so like a full phalanx or a full phalanx um, going up against each other. So when, when David actually tells Joab that when the fighting is in its fiercest moments to back away, it's not, it's not like Uriah was there and the whole army pulled away and Uriah himself died. That's not likely how it worked much more likely is that Uriah would have been fighting there with an entire wave an entire um, column of, of men and that the rest of the army the other columns would have pulled back and retreated and essentially left that column to die so David didn't just David didn't just kill Uriah. He killed a bunch of other unnamed individuals so that he could kill Uriah. And why? When we boil all this down, why did Uriah have to die? Why did the person who helped David set up his kingdom, the one who risked it all, who basically committed treason against the country uh, in the eyes of Saul so that he could uh, support David, so that David could have sex with a woman who wasn't his wife. That's why. Now think about all the deaths that happen every year. Think about all the deaths that happen every year because people want to have sex. There's people that commit adultery and husbands and wives, they try to get even. There's all the abortions that go on every year. And partial birth abortion, which is just a, a gruesome, evil, wicked practice where they essentially, they, they turn a baby around and stab it in the back of the neck and basically take a vacuum and suck out the baby's brain until his skull collapses or hers. And and this is this is this is totally okay. The courts are are upholding this. This is this is not wrong or evil in any way because they don't view. I mean, it, it's it's hard to even recount this because now now I'm I have the picture in my mind. But all of this goes back to lust. All of this goes back to lust. It's all because people want to have sex. Epstein wanted to have sex with minors. So he was willing to rape them and destroy people's lives so that 
so that he could essentially so that he could have sex that's really what it boils down to so that he could have sex and this is going on today and it's getting worse and worse and worse and it's affecting our children how much pedophilia is in the world today all of this goes back to sex all right now I want to talk about um, after this Nathan the prophet comes he gives him a vi he shows him this story not a vision but he shows him this story to David he tells him this story about uh, a poor man who has a single lamb and the lamp keep in mind here if Bathsheba is at fault why is uh, Nathan representing her as a lamb okay think about that for a second but anyways he, he he talks about a poor individual who has a, this little ewe lamb that he nourishes it and then this other rich man who has a bunch a bunch of sheep uh, but doesn't want to use any of his sheep so he takes the poor man's and slaughters it and feeds it to his guests essentially and you know Nathan Nathan asks him what what should happen to that individual and he says David gets all up in arms and everything about it and, and um, is upset and Nathan Nathan who's really taking his life in his own hands here standing up to a king says you are the man you are the man who took the single you lamb from the poor person when you had many when you when you took Bathsheba from Uriah and what a heartbreaking ordeal it must have been for Bathsheba to not only be raped but then who her husband clearly was an honorable man to lose to lose that man and then finally after Uriah was dead Bathsheba was taken to be David's wife so now she's married to the man who raped her and killed her husband think about that for a minute uh, I have a quote here from patriarchs and prophets page 722 it says the prophets rebuke touched the heart of David conscience was aroused his guilt appeared in all its enormity his soul was bowed in penitence before God with trembling lips he said I have sinned against the Lord all wrong done to others reaches back from the injured one to God David had committed a grievous sin toward both Uriah and Bathsheba let me say that again David had committed a grievous sin both toward Uriah and Bathsheba see she's not the sin committer here she's the victim and he keenly felt this but infinitely greater was his sin against God so that's Ellen White patriarchs and prophets page 722 and the punishment this is another this is another point to show the vindication of of Bathsheba here second Samuel chapter 12 verses 9 through 12 states this the punishment given it says wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and has taken his wife to be thy wife and has slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house because thou hast despised me and has taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife 
Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the sun. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. So notice that God never condemns Bathsheba and any of his punishment. His punishment is directed towards David and David alone. He takes the full brunt of it. The child that he had with Bathsheba, the Lord took that child from him. And again, you feel so bad for Bathsheba. Now she loses a child. You know, back in those days, a woman's value was, was greatly determined upon her ability to rear, uh, bear and rear children. So for a woman to lose a child, uh, especially in ancient times, was no small thing. It's no small thing today. But it's, um, so again, Bathsheba here, <laughs> reaping what she has not sown. And how were these punishments fulfilled? Well, all of David's sons were created in the image of their father. The sword never left his house. He, he constantly had some type of uprising, some type of rebellion. Adonijah tried to take the throne over Solomon. Absalom uh, committed a revolt against him. Absalom slept with David's wives on the rooftop uh, of, the, I believe it was the palace in Jerusalem, right there in the sight of all Israel, as God said it would happen. And what a heartbreaking thing to think that it would have been his own son to do this against him. He lost Absalom. He lost uh, Ammon, his son, who was also a rapist, who tried to who tried and successfully raped his own sister when she asked him not, she point blank asked him not to do this, uh, and that if you ask David, David will allow you to marry me. That's what she wanted. She didn't want to be raped. She was, she was okay with marrying him as long as she didn't get raped. But he wouldn't do that. And then Absalom ended up killing him as revenge for, for raping his sister. So you see that just... And all this, all this goes back to what? Because David wanted to have sex with somebody who wasn't his wife. That's what it all boils down to. I have another quote here from Testimonies on Sexual Behavior, Adultery, and Divorce, page 96, or Spiritual Gifts, volume 4, uh, A, page 85 through 89. It says, Results of David's wrongdoing. That's the caption title there. David, David was made to feel bitterly the fruits of, of wrongdoing. His sons acted over the sins of which he had been guilty. Ammon committed a great crime, and that was rape, just like his father. Absalom revenged it by slaying him. Thus was David's sin brought continually to his mind, and he was made to feel the full weight of the injustice done to Uriah and Bathsheba. And then another quote, again from Patriarchs and Prophets, page 735. It says, Again, David was forced to recognize in his calamities the results of his own sin. The defection of Ahithophel, who took Absalom's side, by the way, 
the ablest and most wily of political leaders, was prompted by revenge for the family disgrace involved in the wrong to Bathsheba. You see that? The wrong to Bathsheba, who was his granddaughter. So he essentially took the side of Absalom. And why did he do that? He, do, he did that because his granddaughter was raped and then her husband was murdered by the king. That's, that's what prompted him to do that. So, though he should not have committed treason against the king because the king did repent, we, we can certainly understand uh, why Ahithophel would, would revolt against King David. Why the resentment would be there. And again, please notice, disgrace involving the wrong to Bathsheba. Bathsheba was wronged. And in fact, if you, if, you, if you take a look at the very few times that Bathsheba does speak, like for instance, when her son Solomon was supposed to be king, uh, but Adonijah try, was essentially trying to take the throne, and she makes it... Um, she lets David know about it. She really, and then later on, Adonijah actually goes to Bathsheba and asks for one of the, one of King David's, um, one of King David's concubines to be his wife. And that was, as we've discussed, that was seen as treason, high treason from there. But you can see, it, see, it appears to be that Bathsheba, she was, Willing to listen to the person. She seems like a very sweet lady. Really, she does. She seems like someone who um, looked for the best in others, didn't really uh, discern all the time um, some of the things that were going on that, that may have been a red flag here and there. And she just seems to be a really sweet lady who had a lot of bad things happen to her. And I pray that one day we all get to meet her face to face and hear her full side of the story and be able to meet uh, Uriah also and hear his full side of the story. Actually, in a way, ignorance is bliss in the sense that Uriah died in service to his country, not knowing these things. But yeah, so Bathsheba, Bathsheba, she never, she never did anything wrong here, folks. We we gotta not we, we gotta not shift the blame from David and say that she was negligent or something like that. She was she was put in a in, into a position that was totally um, unnatural, totally caught her off guard, and she was raped. Her child was taken from her by the Lord. Her husband was murdered by the person who raped her, and then she was she was forced to be the wife of that same individual. I'd say that she's had a pretty tough life. So let's let's try to be careful when we when we um, basically seek to pass judgment upon someone who is quite clearly the victim here. And again, I want I want to point out Nathan's. Uh, story depicts Bathsheba as the lamb. Which, why did he choose that? I think he did that because to signify her innocence in the whole situation. All right, that's it. We're about out of time, so uh, we'll stop it here.
Uh, I'm Cody Mori. You've been listening to Truth Triumphant Radio. Please catch us next time, and God bless.